0: The T20 World Cup is coming to our shores in 2020 with the best of the best striving for the ultimate glory. Before that all kicks off, let's join Mel Jones as she chats to cricket royalty on road to the T20 World Cup. 86,174 people joined us at the MCG on International Women's Day for the final of the ICC T20 World Cup. It was the end of the road to the World Cup and it was a magnificent day. Natalie Germanos, South African broadcaster and commentator, joins me today to chat the highs and the highs because there were hardly any lows during the tournament uh, about the players, about that magnificent final day and everything in between. Can you believe what just happened?
1: It's a good question, actually. Um, I, I woke up the day after the final and I said to myself, it's final day, right, isn't it? Like, that was just a dream, it had to have been a dream. It was just so unbelievable to see how everybody bought into it. And, and obviously the amount of people that were there is big, the number mm. itself, but everybody was into the game. The passion was there and they invested in the sport. Yeah. And that I think was, for me, one of the most important things.
0: When you were prepping for the World Cup, so you're back home in, in South Africa, and you started to hear that it was a standalone tournament and that they were going for these world records and things like that. Were you thinking it was ambitious? Were you thinking... What was your thoughts coming into the tournament?
1: I remember, I think it was you that told me about the hashtag, fill the MCG. Yeah. And I thought to myself, MCG's pretty big. <laughs> it's a massive stadium. There's some men's teams that don't fill it there, yeah. no matter what the occasion is. Maybe an Ashes test, maybe a World Cup final, possibly, but... It's, 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 it is a massive ambition, um, but the fact that that was planned so far in advance and it was always going to be part of the plans was, was really heartwarming, actually. And as a result, you buy into it yourself and you start yeah. thinking, this actually is possible because there's so many people backing it. Yeah. And you think, this is definitely possible. And the closer you get, of course, the more excited you get about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's not the world record. Yeah. 86,174 is
0: a <laughs> lot. <laughs> Um, I know that round one at the Sydney showgrounds, I, I, I woke up feeling like that sort of nervousness like a player, like back in playing days when big days come up, because it was, it was just a vibe about the tournament right from, from the get-go. Um, and then that ground had, had numbers, had people, it was just absolutely buzzing as well. But aside from sort of the vibe of the whole tournament, what do you think in terms of the actual play the actual competition between teams
1: i can imagine why you would have felt nervous because i think you as an australian as well it's not just about australia the team or the players or all those things but it's it's also australia the country and what you can put on so i I completely understand that but from from my point of view obviously having having watched women's cricket developing over the last few years i haven't been surprised By the standard of cricket, I think it's a very high standard. There's still lots of things for the girls to work on, in particular teams that are not fully professional and don't have fully professional domestic leagues. But for me, I think that the standard has grown as it should have with the professionalism that's starting to come into the game, the opportunities that these girls are, are getting. I feel like they've taken those opportunities and they've used them so well And it's so great to see that more people are now getting the opportunity to actually realise the women's game is a very strong product and it's got so much to offer.
0: When you, at the start of the tournament, you looked at the two pools. We'll start with Pool A. Mm. So India, Australia, New Zealand, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. Who did you think was going to go through?
1: Group A was always going to be the one that was slightly stronger. Everybody said said that, and and I agree completely. That was the slightly stronger group. You have very experienced teams in the likes of Australia and New Zealand. They've been there before many times. Mm. I was always backing Australia to go through. I think they have a wonderful team. Yes, they probably weren't playing their perfect cricket coming into the tournament, but that doesn't really matter because it's all about peaking at the right time and you always kind of expected they would. So they were always one. The other one was between, for me, India and New Zealand. New Zealand, though, on the other hand, also haven't been playing their perfect cricket, and they have struggled in the ICC tournament. Yeah. So there was always kind of a little question mark there. And after India beats Australia, after that first game, then I thought, well, they're definitely going to make it yeah. through. It's going to be India-Australia. And in a way, I suppose, it is the right result from what we've seen through the tournament. Yeah. But it was a very close group.
0: And then Pool B, there was a little bit of a little historic moment in Pool B with South Africa beating England?
1: That was massive for South Africa for so many reasons not just because of the tournament it's yeah. it's, it's giving the, the team a belief that they can do that yeah. they're no longer underdogs we talk about them so often when they come against teams like that as underdogs yeah. they're not they're not underdogs anymore they're now a team that can beat the best and should be opponents that that other opponents fear Yeah,
0: they've
1: got a very strong team there's a lot of talent in the team and now they've got experience in the team too which mm. they probably I suppose didn't have as much of before so that was a massive moment in Group B and it just set the cat amongst the pigeons because mm. then it's the, the worry of who else can qualify because yeah. people pretty much knew if that was the case they're probably going to make it through to the next round
0: yeah yeah. Thailand we didn't really know too much about them you know they came through qualifiers you know people had seen bits and pieces it wasn't a lot of footage all the teams were sort of scrambling for footage to to get match ready and, and the likes we knew that when they came into this world cup there was something about the way in which they played it in the enjoyment of the game i think everyone was always talking about how happy they are and their smiling faces
1: did they impress you they really impressed me for numerous reasons. Their attitude to the game, certainly, because we saw them smiling all the time and how happy they were. That, that really did impress me. But also their skill set. It's mm. quite incredible to see what they've done with the very limited opportunities. They were only given T20 international status a couple of years ago. Yeah. But they've played so many games since then. They've played about 35 games before the World Cup, yeah. which is more than anybody else. And it's amazing what happens when you give them the opportunity, how the goals respond. And they responded beautifully. We saw against Pakistan, when the pace was taken off a little bit, how skillful they actually are with the bat. Yeah. Everyone said their bowling is their strength and the batting will be their weakness, but it's there. The potential is there. It's just getting used to the type of wickets, type of bowling, the pace. They play mostly on Astro as well, so yeah, yeah. it's completely exactly. different for them. <laughs> Doing a pitch report and they look at the pitch I can't imagine what must be going through their minds. <laughs>
0: Who impressed you the most? Was there was there a standout person and player that you thought didn't expect that or that was standard play from them, but they just stepped it up another notch?
1: It's going to sound silly now because she was named player of the tournament, it's going to sound kind of obvious, but Mm. Beth Mooney, she impressed me right through the tournament. Because we talk so much about certain players from Australia like Elise Perry, Alyssa Healy, Meg Lanning. These are all big names that we've spoken yeah. about for years and years and years. And I feel like Beth Mooney's almost played sort of a, a back role to to to, her, to all the rest of the ladies. Yeah. And she was just so calm under pressure. She scored at an excellent rate. And to do that as an opener is quite special. And also there's been a bit of, you know, Juggling around of the, of the order in the, in, the, in the Australian batting lineup as well. So, yeah. her back there at the top, it's, it's just great to see how she's gone about her, her job. She seems very mature, she seems to know her role very well, and she seems to know her game really well too. Mm. So, she definitely stood out for me.
0: Okay, well, you mentioned that she was a player of the tournament. She was also in the ICC T20 team of the tournament. So, that was judged by Ian Bishop Chopera, Stileka, and Jim Chopra, Lisa Stellaker, and Raph Nicholson, and overseen by Holly Colvin. Let's just pop through these players very quickly, and I just want your quick thoughts on on how they went about things. Elisa Healy.
1: She, I mean, she coming into the tournament. People said she was out of form, but she, she's the type of batter that she goes for it. So she's probably going to fail more than she yeah. actually succeeds. So there's going to be times where you're going to go, but what are you doing? You're going up for next to nothing. What, what are you, you're messing up. Yeah. But actually, that's, it's a for me, it's a style of play. Yeah. Um, and. She comes good in the big game, so who cares about her <laughs> she's, she's just phenomenal. She is a box office player, yeah. and you can pay any money to go and watch her play. Uh, she, I, I, I loved watching her in this tournament. I love her attitude towards the game, and I think behind the stumps, she makes a big difference to that team because of how inspirational she is yeah. and how in the game she is. She's, her intensity is amazing. Yeah,
0: that catch to get Verma in the, in the final was up, up to Megan shoot. It was the plan and the execution. It was outstanding.
1: Absolutely yeah. outstanding. By Australia in general, how yeah. they executed that plan so perfectly. I think they learned from that first mm. game. Don't let her drive. Yeah. <laughs> she drives beautifully. I know you want to see it again, but it's probably not <laughs> very good for your team. But the, the, that, that catch is phenomenal. It just shows you. She's always been a good wicketkeeper. She's mm. always been an excellent wicketkeeper. She's obviously done amazing things with her batting since she's been moved up the order. Yeah. But as a wicketkeeper, I think people underestimate how how valuable she is as a keeper
0: so Lisa Healy at number one 236 runs at 39 with seven dismissals no surprise really we've already mentioned it that Beth Mooney's partnering up with her as well so 259 runs at 64 they're a combination that complement each other really well isn't it
1: yeah left right hand combination it's an obvious part of it but then at the same time they're able to have like a lovely push and pull in their partnership where if the one's going, the other one yeah. can pull back if necessary yeah. or vice versa. And also, if they need to go at a really quick rate, then they, they can do it together.
0: In at number three, amazing tournament, consistent as well. 202 runs at 67 is Nat Siver.
1: She was brilliant. Mm. How she's worked on her game. She's just—I just feel like she's become almost a complete cricketer now. Mm. Where she, the shot she plays is phenomenal. Power she has also is really dangerous to any opponent. Yeah. And it doesn't seem to matter too much on the surface. She seems to adapt very well to the surface, mm-hmm. which I, I didn't find as much with some of the England batters in this tournament, maybe Heather Knight aside. Mm. But Nat adapted really, really well. And it's such a crucial role, number three. It's probably one of your most important. Three. Yeah. And I feel like she fulfilled it very well.
0: And with the issues that they had at the top of the order too, the early wicket typically, um, and she was in for, you know, writing the power play all the time.
1: She was pretty much opening the batting most of the time, wasn't she? Yeah. The England just never quite could get that combination right. I hope mm. that in future they are able to get that combination right, but unfortunately for the tournament it just didn't work out. Yeah.
0: For them. Well, a combination that did work well for them was... Nat Siver and Heather Knight and Heather Knight comes in at number 4 193 runs at 64 she just really led from the front didn't she
1: yeah a lot of mm. uh, weight of pressure also on her shoulders as well and she handled it so well after that loss against South Africa in the first game the pressure was so so high on the team herself as her captain and, and obviously from a batting perspective because she knew she had to do something if that opening pair was never really going to work Nat Siver mm. needed somebody to back her up yeah. and Heather Knight did that and those two together, well, we've seen in the past they've backed really well together, in a very dangerous combination. And the Knights had a good tournament.
0: Captain of the team coming in at five, which is an unusual spot for Meg Lanning, but 132 runs at 44. The stats are amazing when she didn't hit runs really in the final that sort of match up, but when she gets to semi-finals and finals, she just delivers each and every time. But it was probably that knock in the partnership with Rachel Haynes against Sri Lanka, were in Australia in. All sorts of three for ten at the Wacker. that really just sort of cemented her as, as one of the great leaders for well, for australia anyways
1: she 's so tough to dismiss isn 't she she 's mm. so difficult to get out she d- doesn 't have too many weaknesses, and whatever her weaknesses are, she somehow hides them it 's incredible to watch how she 's able to do that and again, her array of shots is amazing you don 't think of her as this this power hitter, but she 'll do mm. damage and she does damage really quickly and once she passes. 15 to 20... Well, or you're in, you're in generally for a yeah. world of pain. It <laughs> <What laughs> makes the big difference?
0: I don't think anyone would have probably selected this next player in Team of the Tournament before it even started. Um, not known for her T20 mm-hmm. style. Um, definitely one-dayers. Um, it's been brilliant for South Africa. But Laura Vulvaart comes in at number six. Strike rate of 149. Did she blow you away?
1: Before this tournament... In her career, she her strike rate was closer to between 80 and 90, I think. Yeah. And her average was under 20. Yeah. So she really struggled in this format of the game to find her groove. Mm. She's got it in the, in one day internationals. She averages yeah. over 45 as an opener in one mm. day internationals. So she's phenomenal. Um, but she's always struggled to find the, the way that suits her in yeah. the T20 format. And she's got all the shots. They're there. It's just her, maybe her planning maybe the the way she goes about the Mm. innings whatever it is that was for her to decide but dropping her down the order it's still controversial because of how she played in the tournament there's some people who said well maybe she should still be opening because of Mm. the way she's playing yeah and i i I can understand that from watching it afterwards but i think dropping her down the order forced her to find ways to score runs yeah and she had to score quickly so she found the gaps better and and that drive is probably one of the best in the business yeah it's yeah pretty special
0: on SEN, this is
1: Road to the T20 World Cup with Mel Jones.
0: Coming in at seven, first of uh, the spinners, Jess Johnson, ten wickets at fourteen.
1: She's a, she's just a phenomenal player, hasn't she? And she's been she's been so good for so long. And I feel like she's evolved her game to suit the team. So whatever the team's needed from yeah. her, she's just been able to produce that. And uh, any team would say, can we please have a Jess Jonathan yeah, in our side? Yeah. Because she just adds, she adds experience, obviously, but from with the ball, she's very difficult to get away and actually score runs against. And economy-wise, in a T20, if you've got that happening at one end, anything can happen from the other end. But she still has a knack of picking up wickets then, yeah. too. So <laughs> it's just, it's, it's incredible, actually, her role in the side. I think it's actually, adds so much balance to that Aussie side.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other left arm orthodox spinner who, who economy rate was brilliant right throughout sophie eccleston eight wickets at six which is scary T 20,
1: 20 players in the world and yeah. she's been that way for a long time hasn't she she's got all the goods she's tall she's got a lovely action as well very economical action um, very unusual for her to get injured which is always a plus and she also, she's a youngster, she's, she's a baby, I think she's 20 or 21, yeah, yeah. Um, but because of the experience she's already had, she knows a game really well and I think she's also worked out really good plans and I feel like her confidence has gone sky high and she can go to her captain and say, Captain, yes. I want this field, I want that field. Yeah. And, and I, I love that about her because at her age... You would think that that would be next to almost impossible to be able to do that. Heather Knight yeah. such an experienced captain and such a wonderful leader. But I love that she can go to her captain and say, this is what I want.
0: Yeah. The fourth of the England players, we will probably have a quick chat about the, the semifinals in a second as well. And your Shrubsol, eight wickets at 10. She's just, again, in T20 World Cups, brings the goods.
1: It's amazing. I watched Anja Shrubsoll last year at the, the Women's Ashes in England. I just thought, wow, she looks like she's just struggling for form and she's not quite where she needs to be. Mm. Still takes wickets, still looks like a world beater, but not quite maybe at her standard that she yeah. Um And then you saw in this tournament, she's, look, she's getting movement that most people didn't get. Um, we didn't see a lot of swing, and she got it. And she's yeah. able to swing it back into the right-handers too, which is pretty tough. Ask Lizelle Lee, she'll tell you all <laughs> about <laughs> it. Something about her shabsal where she struggles, but her experience is also really wealthy for, for from england's point of view it's really important but i just i think that it's a bit maybe sad that she didn't quite have her opening partner on the other end also doing like the same sort of things because yeah. i think katherine brunt maybe is also possibly struggling for form might be injury she's had so many yeah. in her career um she's a wonderful player i think if those two were firing it would be very difficult for opponents so anya was was brilliant in the tournament
0: yeah. Um, similar style of bowling, the sense of seamer and in-swinger. So Megan shoot 13 wickets at 10 back-to-back World Cups where she's been leading wicket-taker.
1: I spoke to her when it was a, before the semi-final when it was raining and we mm. all thought, oh dear, I'm not going to get on the park. And she said, I don't feel like I've been bowling that well. Mm. She said, I don't feel like I've been at my best. I picked up three in the last game, so my tally's gone up. But she didn't think that she'd been yeah. bowling that well. And, well, if that's the case, she saved the best for last because she was phenomenal in the semi-final and the final. She kept the runs down. She took wickets. She made it look like it was. she was under no pressure whatsoever. Mm. I think it's kind of her personality that she's, you know, she's very relaxed and fun-loving yeah. and jokes around and all those things. But she's under immense pressure. Yeah. It's so many people looking to her to do the business for Australia, especially up front and toward the back end. You're, you're looking at somebody and saying, well, oh, you better do the job um and she did it beautifully
0: there was um she came out in the press basically in the lead up to the final and said i don't want to bowl to the top order of the indians because they've been smashing me around the park do you think what do you think the uh the idea was behind those kind of comments
1: um maybe it's a little bit of uh reverse psychology Mm. possibly um i wouldn't be surprised and and you know good on him because if it worked it worked I, I, I've got no problem with any of mm. those type of things. I think that sort of mind play is, is part of any professional sport. Mm. So maybe it's a bit of reverse psychology, possibly. Maybe it was just a way of amping herself up. It might have been a personal way of going to herself to say, I don't really want to do this, but you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make it work.
0: Someone who made it work over and over again was Poonam Yadav. She rounds out the team of the tournament, 10 wickets at 11.
1: And she broke her hand coming into the tournament mm-hmm. as well. She had to go home and have surgery and all sorts of all sorts of things. Um, and so she was a, even a doubtful starter. And she hadn't bowled a lot yeah. coming into the tournament. And it's incredible how with what she's got, she's not a big girl. She's small. She's short. She's mm. got tiny hands. And yet her control is incredible. And as much as the wickets maybe in the end favoured her more than we expected, it's not really conditions that she she would really you would think thriving. Yeah, but she did and and bowled really well again. Very good plans. Um, she knows that if she takes the pace off, it's very difficult. Yeah. But to take that pace off and bowl with that kind of control, still get the turn that she does, the googlies. It's it's not an easy task, and and mm. she did it very well.
0: Twelfth of. T- team of the tournament Shafali Verma 16 years of age she just I mean she set the whole tournament alight. Gosh,
1: I saw her for the first time in India last year uh, when South Africa played India um, wickets we that were a little bit slower and maybe not m- as much bounce but you've got to develop your game somewhere mm. and to watch the power that she has the drives the power straight down the ground as well it's very special to see that as sixteen-year-old. Yeah. There's one or two weaknesses that are there, and that, and she'll get found out, mm. and that happens. Every player evolves, and then they find a way to to combat that. That'll happen. She's just sixteen years mm. of age. She's top T20 international batter as well. I think that I hope that she's well looked after in many ways, not in the sense of stifling her and making her into something she's not, and just allowing her a little bit of freedom to be the yeah. person she is. But yeah. then at the same time, somebody to help her with whatever she needs
0: to fix, any weaknesses she might have. Yeah, no, she is a superstar in the making. There was probably one, in amongst all the positivity and just the hype about it all, there was probably one negative, which was the semi-final and the washout, and talk about the lack of reserve days. As someone who sits on the ICC Women's Committee, is that something that um, you... you guys actually caught up didn't you yeah. um, was it something that was mentioned there
1: yeah we did mention it. obviously because mm. it is something that's been spoken about it's it's not within our realm to unfortunately mm. say anything we can make suggestions and that has to be decided then by the committee itself and also further up um i think that the important part of it is that all the boards signed off on that mm. so those were within the playing conditions already everybody knew there wasn't going to be a reserve day it's incredibly sad that it actually happened um to have a full game abandoned it's it's mm. very very sad i like the format still in terms of having two semi-finals on one day at one venue yeah um it, it of course does create danger if you don't have a sem- don't have a reserve day because yeah. Possibly you could have pushed back that, sec- that first semi-final and possibly got a game. Yeah. But I like the format of having two semi-finals in one day. I think it gives the crowd so much.
0: Yeah. And
1: at one venue like the SCG, which is a big venue, mm-hmm. it can work really well. It's incredibly unfortunate, though, that we had the, the rain out. Will it change in the future? Well, maybe it will. Um, mm. I think there is space and room for that, in particular with this format, because it's one extra day. Yeah. The men's competition is the problem because the semifinals are two different venues yeah. and they're so close to the final you'd have to add quite a few extra days you'd have to add something like four to five days right. because of travel times and all of those things and yeah. that tournament is already month long so that's where i know one of the concerns is is the length of the men's tournament you're right but the women's tournament uh, it would be one extra day one extra basically yeah. You you're looking at so it would be really about weighing out the pros and cons and as much as The Friday didn't rain. You don't know that the the reserve day would get rained out as well. You don't know, but it's good to have that option. So I think they'd have to weigh out the pros and cons of having a reserve day. And in my opinion, I think there's probably more pros to having a reserve day Mm -hmm. and a lot less cons. But logistically, it's just something they're just going to have to work out. It might be tricky, Mm. but I think they'll be able to work something out in the future.
0: Speaking of future, South Africa 2022, next T20 World Cup. Does that excite you? Home World Cup for you?
1: It's a little bit nerve-wracking. So I just saw at the MCG almost 90,000 people. Yeah, it's very exciting because I think the women's game in South Africa, this international team itself, they're becoming like role models. They're becoming like icons. And they're starting to see that they can do this. They can have this as a career and they can take this as a career path. And I think that's quite special. We've got Lauren Achenbach as an umpire as well, so it's mm-hmm. another career path that we've seen from yeah. this tournament too. Back home, Chandra Fritz is a match referee. Yeah. so a former player as yeah. well. And um, so those little things are making quite a big difference, I think, to the landscape of women's cricket in South Africa. And this tournament could just accelerate that at yeah. a rate of knots. We hope it will. And I think the interest in the game will, will go up as well. And hopefully then we'll see an sort of a, an evolution of the domestic system as well yeah. within South Africa, which needs to be, needs to happen.
0: Your picture-perfect finals day, what does it look like in South Africa?
1: Wanderers, first mm-hmm. of all. Um, it's a capacity of 32,000, I think, at the moment. Yeah. Um, that, that stadium, when it's full, the atmosphere is special, isn't it? Yeah. They call it the ball ring for a very good reason. I've yeah. been lucky enough to be there for a few packed games. So, yeah, Wanderers, for sure. I'm hoping... South Africa in the final. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. I hope mm. they're in the final. And up against a strong opponent like Australia or India or one of those opponents that is going to make a really good final. I think by that stage, South Africa would have lifted, lifted their play even more. Yeah. And I think from a competition perspective, they can put on a real spectacle. Unfortunately, this final, from a competition perspective, it wasn't what we would have liked, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Mm. But mm. that was just, I think, on-the-day on thing that says nothing of India and how yeah. good they are. They're a fantastic team. Uh, they just had an off day. Yeah. So hoping that in that final, that won't happen. It's not an easy thing, especially if you're a team that's never been to a final before yeah. and in front of that kind of crowd. So I would say Wanderers, South Africa, let's say versus Australia. Obviously, I want South Africa to lift the trophy at the end of the day. That would be great. <laughs> but to see kids around the ground, families, yeah. young girls looking up to the girls playing, but also young boys looking up to, mm. to the girls playing and realising that this is like just a normal part of life. Yeah. Women play cricket. Women are professional. Yeah. And it's cricket. It's proper cricket.
0: Someone who absolutely bossed that message a couple of days ago at the G was Katy Perry. She brought in... It was interesting chatting to the ICC about the whole process of, of getting her on board. And basically it was an email and they explained what the day was about, that they wanted to do it on International Women's Day, um, that it was more than just about the cricket. And they said that she brought in straight away. Love the concept. And even in working with her, when, when she arrived, they said that she was just, she was outstanding. And boy, oh boy, I'm not a... I was never a huge Katy Perry fan. Sorry, Katy, if you're listening in. <laughs> but, you know, an amazing, talented artist. But the way in which she went through her rehearsals and then on stage, she just had everyone in the palm of her hand. It was something special, wasn't it? Oh,
1: definitely. And she's quite heavily pregnant as well. Yeah. And she, the energy that she put towards it, it was... It was never a case of, oh well, this is a good opportunity for me to just maybe look into another market or anything mm. like it was never that. It was about International Women's Day. Yeah. And a big special event in Australia, a sporting event, all about promoting women mm. and the amazing women that's involved in this game. Also others as well, not just the players. We're talking behind the scenes too. Yeah. And I feel like I don't think anybody could have done it better. Mm. Um, I mean, we'll never know, but I, I don't think anybody could have done it better than Katy Perry. She played up to the cameras. She embraced the players. She embraced the crowd. And it wouldn't have been, I, I would imagine it wouldn't have been her normal crowd. It would be a yeah. different type of fans yeah. too. Completely. Um, to play also before a game and then have a break. Mm. Maybe she enjoyed that. I don't know. Um <laughs> get a time to rest, I suppose. But that kind of, messes up your momentum doesn't it yeah. you're so used to just playing at yeah. a stadium it's all your stage but it wasn't in the end about her it was about everybody else and yet yeah. she just embraced it so beautifully
0: yeah no she was she embraced it i must admit probably one of my highlights of the world cup particularly the final night was sophie molyneux and molly strano on stage though because they also embraced it beautifully <laughs> yeah i think you could say
1: that <laughs> was watching the videos and i've seen it a few times you're just kind of like Did they really do that? They took over the stage and they took it over in just the most incredible way because people could automatically think, oh, that's really obnoxious of them. But it wasn't in any way, shape or form. It was them enjoying a moment, enjoying a special time on the stage, obviously, after after an incredible win. And it's a team that you can see also it's a team that's that's what it is really isn't yeah. it it's, it's a proper team they work well together they get on with each other they work for each other and it's seeing those two on stage it's also <laughs> an indication of where the team i think is going to eventually go because your youngsters yeah. inside the they're <laughs> going to take things forward and who knows where we'll be in a couple of years time with those two in the side
0: yeah speaking of teams broadcast team we've sort of the majority of us have sort of done bits and bobs you know right across the world we were 2018 World Cup in, in the West Indies, Sunset and Vines production crew. In term, in terms of just enjoyment of a, of a World Cup, how did you find it?
1: Oh, this rates up there with 2017, I think. 2017 Women's 50 over World Cup in England was just phenomenal to mm. be part of. Because of how it went about, I mean, it was just, and originally going to be 10 games on TV, and then radio was covering yeah. all the games, and then they said, no, we're going to do all of the games. And it was very, very special, and that final was was incredible 28,000 people yeah. at Lords was that's historic yeah and coming to this we all knew that there was going to be there's a massive hype around the, the tournament itself there was massive effort put into the tournament by everybody and looking at the, the, the commentary team itself it's all people who's invested in the women's game mm. whether they pass players or not whether they're female or male they're all invested in in the sport and to work with them on such an historic occasion and the records that were broken, that's something that, that you never yeah. forget. And it shapes your career, I think, for yeah. the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, the, the viewer of, view of numbers right across, well, here in Australia and the globe, is I think they're still coming in, but they've broken records after records over yeah. this tournament. And you were a very big part of that. Small part, but yeah. <laughs> we Look, I know we've, we've, we've partied hard like the Australians over the last couple of days, <laughs> and it's your first trip to Australia, so we're yeah. going to go off and I'm going to take you around Melbourne, my thank city. You. But thank you so much, not just for the podcast, but for everything you've done across the tournament. It's been absolutely
1: brilliant. Mel, thank you very much for everything as well. You've also played a big part in this, and it'll be remembered for a very long time.